0: Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now, and we're turning to the Psalms. This morning, we're going to read Psalm 62 together. Psalm 62, it's on page 479 of the Pew Bibles, page 479. Uh, The title of this psalm is, My Soul Waits for God Alone. And then you'll see there's a little subtitle. It says, To the Choir Master... According to Jeduthun, a psalm of David. So Psalm 62 was written by King David. And the title is, My Soul Waits for God Alone. Psalm 62 then, we're reading the whole psalm together. It's on page 479 of the Pew Bibles. And this is God's word to us. David writes, For God alone my soul waits in silence. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him, God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, Belongs steadfast love for you will render to a man according to his work amen and we thank god for his word to us this morning well let's take our bibles and turn to psalm 62 you'll find it on page 479 of the pew bibles page 479 and we're going to think about this psalm together for a few moments and as you're turning it up Let's pray that the Lord would help us as we look at his word together. And as we pray, we use the the words of the hymn that we've just been singing. Lord, we pray that you would speak as we come to you, as we come to receive the food of your holy word. We pray that you would take your truth, that you would plant it deep in us, deep in our hearts, deep in our souls and that you would shape and fashion us in your likeness. You're the potter, we're the clay, so we ask that you would shape us and mold us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Stress, we live in a world that is stressed out. Would you say that you are stressed out this morning? Let me give you a few statistics about stress. The most common cause of stress is work-related stress. A recent survey found that 79% of people felt frequently stressed because of work. Uh, Another survey found that 1 in 14 adults in the UK feel stressed every single day. And a final alarming alarming statistic is that 74% of people feel so stressed they've been overwhelmed or are unable to cope. We live in a world that is stressed out. Stress is something that everyone feels at times, life changes, big events, material worries cause it. A little stress can be a good thing because it helps us to get things done or, or focus on something that needs our attention. But how we manage stress will make a big difference to our daily lives. Stress is the body's reaction to feeling threatened or under pressure. When we're stressed, our bodies release a hormone called adrenaline, which usually gives us a boost or or motivates us to act quickly. Too much stress, though, can affect our mood, our body and our relationships, especially when it feels out of our control. Experiencing long-term stress or severe stress can lead lead to feeling physical, mental and emotional exhaustion. That's called burnout. So would you say that you're stressed out this morning? Would you say that you're close to burnout? If you are, if if you're so stressed that your life feels out of control, what can you do that will help? The NHS guidance on stress says that you can deal with it in this way. You can try some self-help techniques. You can try positive thinking. You can talk to someone. You can split up big tasks. You can try and be more active and you can also try to plan ahead. All good and sensible advice, but so much of our mental stress is connected to our spiritual life. One of the things that we believe as evangelical Christians is that the Bible deals with every issue we face in life. Everything you come up against, everything you face, the Bible has something to say about it. In that regard, the Psalms are probably the most pastorally helpful part of the Scriptures The people who wrote them were led and guided by the Spirit of God, but they were real people in real situations, sometimes facing real difficulties. Which brings us to Psalm 62. David is stressed out. He's under attack, as you can see in verses 3 and 4. His soul has been shaken to the core. He has been so stressed out that his life feels out of control, yet he's secure. There's a quiet confidence in his soul, and that's seen in this beautifully crafted psalm. This is a psalm for people who are stressed out, and as we look at it this morning, we're going to see some practical truths given to us by God, practical truths that will help us deal with whatever is stressing us out at the moment. Before we look at this psalm together, let me say a word or two about this little series. I've said a little already, over the next three Sundays, we're going to be looking at three psalms together. Psalm 62, Psalm 145 and Psalm 121. The purpose of looking at these psalms is that we would understand them better, but we're also going to sing them together. Uh, Some of you will be familiar with the work of Sovereign Grace Music. They're an American worship group that have been producing songs for the church for over 30 years Some of their most recent material has been based on the psalms and we're going to learn three of these new songs. As I've said already, the psalms are probably the most pastorally helpful part of the scriptures and throughout the history of the Christian church, believers have sung the psalms. In our context, many of us will know metrical psalms. When I was growing up in Besbrook, we would sing a metrical psalm every Sunday morning. If reading the psalms is good for our spiritual life, then singing the psalms will be good for our souls as well. My hope with this series is that by both singing and studying a psalm, we'll be moved to a deeper dependence on the Lord and we'll understand and experience His grace in new ways. So this morning, our first psalm is Psalm 62 and it's a psalm for people who are stressed. It's gonna help us look to the Lord in a world that is stressed out. As we look at this psalm together, We're going to see three things. Our points this morning are slightly longer than usual, but they'll appear on the screen so you'll be able to follow along. Psalm 62 says this. It says, don't stress, find your rest in God and not in a world that pushes you around. It says, don't stress. If you've trusted in God for salvation, you can trust him with everything else. And it says, don't stress. The people you think are strong are actually weak. Those points are going to take us to the heart of this psalm. First of all then, Psalm 62 says, don't stress, find your rest in God and not in a world that pushes you around. Let's read verses one and two together. It says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. David is the author of this psalm. We're told that in the little subtitle. We're also told that someone called Jeduthun was involved in putting the psalm together. Who Jeduthun was, we're not entirely sure. He was probably a musical director. So David wrote the psalm, and Jeduthun wrote the score for it. He created the musical arrangement. The psalm starts with David speaking of his soul and of how he's waiting for God in silence. He says that God is his only rock and salvation and fortress. And through him, through knowing him, he will not be greatly shaken. As the psalm begins, it it doesn't appear that David is is stressed out at all. He seems very secure, very content. But verses 3 and 4 reveal what's happening to him. He says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood, they bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. One of the challenges of this Psalm is that we're not entirely sure when David wrote it or or what circumstances he was facing at this point. There are no markers that tell us that he wrote it during a certain point in his life. What we can say, though, is that David is under attack. Now it's not that he's necessarily under attack in a physical sense, he he might be, but verse four in particular gives us the sense that he's being attacked by people who are spreading lies about him. That's what's stressing him out. You'll see that David mentions that those who are against him take pleasure in falsehood. The people who are against him enjoy spreading lies about him. His opponents also seem to be duplicitous in that they're outwardly kind to him. They bless him with their mouths, but their heart is somewhere else. Inwardly, they curse. Inwardly, they're cursing him. The, the, the lies that are being spread about David are causing him distress, and they're, they're, they're an attempt to, 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 to push him over like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. That, that, that second picture is a really helpful one. What's a tottering fence? Well, it's a fence that isn't going to do it's a fence that's shaking or swaying as if it's about to fall over and collapse. That's what David's enemies want. But he hasn't collapsed because his trust is in God. God alone is David's rock, salvation, his mighty fortress. Despite the stress that he's facing, David is secure in God. Though the opening of the, Through the opening of the, of the psalm we're told, don't stress, find your rest in God and not in a world that pushes you around. That's the thing about verses three and four. They remind us of what our experience can be like as Christians living in a broken, anti-God world. The world pushes the church around. The dominant thinking in Western culture today is secularism. Secularism is the belief that there's no authority but human reason. Humanity knows best and nothing will stand in its way. Therefore, secular governments will will pass laws and introduce legislation that is clearly anti-God. So think of same-sex marriage, think of abortion, think of some of the transgender laws that are being introduced. When Christians oppose laws like that, what happens? Those with other views spread falsehoods. They spin the story and make Christians out to be the bad guys. There's a very clear example of that in Scottish politics recently. The SNP needed a new leader and an evangelical Christian called Kate Forbes stood for election. She was widely discredited by the mainstream media who used all sorts of stereotypes to to make her seem unelectable. The world pushes the church around, Christian believers around as well. But Psalm 62 says, Don't stress, find your rest in God and not in a world that pushes you around. This world is ultimately passing away. Look to God for salvation. Trust in him as your rock. Know him to be a fortress for you. Don't stress. He he has got everything under control. That's the first thing from Psalm 62 then. Don't stress. Find your rest in God and not in a world that pushes you around. Here's the second thing. Don't stress. If you've trusted in God for salvation, You can trust him with everything else. Let's read verses five to eight. David writes, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him, God is a refuge for us. We've broken this psalm into three parts because there are three clear divisions in it. You'll see them at the end of verse four and verse eight. The word silah is used at the end of both of those verses. Now it's not salah like the footballer, it's silah. Now what does it mean? Well, it's a musical instruction that probably indicates a pause in the music or a pause for contemplation. After each section, the psalmist wants us to pause and consider what it is we've read. Verses five to seven are very similar to verses one to two. The same language is used, the same words are used, the same pictures of who God is and, and what he does are used. There is a slight difference though. In verse one, David writes, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. In verse five, he writes, for God alone, O my soul Wait in silence. See the difference? Wait in verse 1 and then wait in verse 5. In verse 1, David is describing his soul. He's saying that he's waiting on God. But verse 5 is an imperative. He's telling or, or commanding himself to wait on God. It's a subtle difference, but it's really important to notice. It gives us the sense that David had to remind himself of who God is again and again and again. He was, just like us, a human being prone to forgetting the greatness and reliability of God. Tim Keller explains this in a really insightful way. He says that in verse 5, David counsels himself with the lesson of verse 1. In verse 5, David counsels himself with the lesson of verse 1. He uses the truth that he knows objectively in his mind to practically help him in a situation of stress. Keller says the battle to shape our hearts with the truths our minds know is never over. The the great truth that David takes us to is that salvation comes from God alone, not from ourselves or, or any effort that we can produce. On God rests my salvation and my glory. D- David says, for, for, for us, our salvation rests in Jesus alone. Our future glory rests in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. David uses the truth that he knows in his head to help him in a time of stress. That, that's one of the most pastorally helpful things you can ever know or remember. When we're stressed, what should we do? Try some positive thinking try some self-help techniques, try some exercise. It's not bad advice, but here's the Bible's advice. Here's God's direction for us. Apply the truths of the gospel to yourself again. And don't stress, if you've trusted in God for salvation, you can trust him with everything else. See what David says in the second half of verse seven. He says, on God rests my salvation and my glory My mighty rock, my refuge is God. So he says that God is his savior and then he says God is his refuge. God can only be his refuge because he is his savior. But the logic of what he writes is that God has saved him and is with him whatever he faces. God is his refuge in times of stress. The point is, don't stress. If you've trusted in God for salvation, you really can trust him with everything else. You can trust God to help you with the thing that's stressing you out at the minute, with the problems that are mounting up around you, with the illness you're facing or the illness that a a loved one is facing, with the exams that are looming, with the financial pressures that you're experiencing. If you've trusted in God to save you, to, to rescue you, to forgive your sins, then you can trust him with everything else. If he has dealt with the biggest problem in your life, and that's what sin is, the biggest problem in our lives. If God has dealt with the biggest problem in your life, he can deal with whatever, is, whatever it is that's stressing you out at the moment. There's, there's one more thing for us to notice in this point before we move on. It comes in verse 8. D- David says, Trust in him at all times, O people. One of the dangers we face as we read the Bible is that we read it just as individuals. A lot of the Bible is written to groups of people. And this psalm is a little bit like that. David doesn't just speak to himself. He speaks to a group. Oh, people. And the point of verse eight is that he's saying that what God has been able to do, how God has been able to help him, he can help others as well. He's gone through a period of stress God has helped him and now he says the Lord can help you as well. That actually speaks to you if you're not a Christian and you're facing something that feels out of control. What God did for David, what God has done for so many of us, he can do for you. But you need to trust him first. He's not a divine butler who will, who will come and help you at your beck and call. You've got to look to him and look to him to deal with your biggest problem first before you can experience the blessings of his care. We've seen two things from this psalm so far. It's a psalm for people who are stressed. It says, don't stress, find your rest in God and not in a world that pushes you around. It says, don't stress, if you trusted in God for salvation, you can trust him with everything else. And thirdly and finally, it says, don't stress, the things you think are important are actually temporary. Let's read verses 9 and 10. David says, Those of low estate are but a breath, those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. In these verses, David returns to speaking about the people who are pushing him around. But he thinks about them in a very biblical way. He sees them for what they are. They're they're a breath. They won't be around for long. They're a delusion. The power and influence they think they have will be taken from them one day. And he also tells us not to find our hope in the things around us. He's encouraging us to trust in God alone. We don't trust either the people or the elites. We don't trust in economic or political solutions because ultimately they won't bring about a better world. We don't trust in any career path or job to fulfill us. If our bank balance goes up, if riches increase, we shouldn't set our heart on them. David is driving at our inbuilt bias towards not fully trusting in God. That's the challenge of the psalm. It x-rays our hearts and asks the question, are you fully trusting in God? How can you find out if you're not? By answering these questions. What's the last thing on your mind before you close your eyes to go to sleep at night? What do you think about more than anything else? How would you feel If the thing you think about more than anything else was taken away from you, how would you react? So so often we guard and protect the things we believe to be important with all our might. It causes us stress when those things are threatened. But Psalm 62 says, don't stress. The things you think are important are actually temporary. It's a very good corrective. The, The things that we live for won't last but the, the, what's the one thing that we can depend on? It's that God is both strong and loving. Look at verse 11 and the start of verse 12. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. D- don't stress about the things that won't matter in eternity, D- don't stress about the things you won't remember in eternity. Don't stress about the things that won't be important in eternity. Look to God. Trust in him because he is strong and loving. He's strong. He's, he's sovereign in all the events of history, including the dangers that have threatened David, including the thing that's stressing you out at the moment. He's loving despite the fact that you're, he's loving despite of who we are. The the word that David uses at the start of verse 12 is hesed. It's that great word for God's everlasting and faithful covenant love. His love is always upon you, no matter what you face. So look to him, rely on him, wait on him, turn to him. That's Psalm 62 then, a psalm for people who are stressed, a psalm that surely moves us to, to, to a deeper dependence on the Lord. A psalm that surely gives us a, a fresh experience of his grace. A psalm that says, don't stress, find your rest in God and not in a world that pushes you around. Don't stress if you've trusted in God for salvation. You can trust him with everything else. And don't stress the things you think are important are actually temporary. We're nearly done. We have a few things to tie up before we sing a new version of this psalm together, the first thing we need to tie up is how this psalm points us to Jesus. We can't read the psalms or any part of the Old Testament, in fact, without connecting it to the work of Christ. Uh, how does Psalm 62 point us to our saviour? I, uh, I think it points us to him in this way. D- David is the writer of the psalm, and he found his rest in God. He looked to God alone, but he was only a man, a flawed broken, sinful human being like us. Jesus came as the greater David, God's true and perfect king. He lived a life that was totally dependent on his father and he went through times of great stress. Think of his temptation in the wilderness. Think of him in the garden of Gethsemane. Think of how the religious leaders and the Romans pushed him around. Think of how in those moments, his trust was completely unbroken. If you or I had gone through any of those things, we would have crumbled. But not Jesus. Of him, it can be truly said that he fully trusted in God. His trust in God, his father, was completely unwavering. We don't look to David to help us. We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus who was attacked, who experienced falsehoods being spoken about him, who was blessed outwardly but inwardly cursed, who was pushed down and crushed, not on a tottering wooden fence, but on a brutal wooden cross. It's through him that we can sing the words that we're about to sing. This is love I can't explain. This is mercy undeserved. Through your sacrifice so great, I have peace that's undeserved. For the battle has been won and I fear no shame or loss. Now the sting of death Through Jesus is gone. You're my solid rock and my salvation, my steadfast hope that won't be shaken. My soul will wait. My soul will wait for you. Second thing, final thing to tie up. How does this psalm speak to you if you're not a Christian? It speaks to us very clearly if we know and love the Lord Jesus. But how does it challenge you if you're not a Christian? Here's how. In verse 12, it says, For you will render to a man according to his work. The point is really simple. God will sort out who is who. He'll sort out who has trusted him and who has looked to him alone for salvation. And he'll sort out those who haven't trusted in him. The Apostle Paul quotes this verse in Romans 2, verse 6. He quotes it nearly word for word. He will render to each one according to his works. According to, his, according to his works equals according to how a person lives. Some people will seek God and receive eternal life. Other people will reject Christ. One way or the other, people's choices will, will, will position them before God in ways they will either rejoice or bitterly regret in this life and in the next. So how does this psalm challenge you if you're not a Christian? Well, it tells you that God is going to look at your life one day. He's going to review it. He's going to judge it. He's going to weigh it in the balances. And he's really only looking at one thing, one area, one aspect. Who or what did you trust in? If you trust in Jesus alone, you'll enjoy eternal life with him. But if you trust in anything or anyone else apart from Jesus, God will reject you and you'll be separated from him forever. He will render to each one according to his works. With that warning in mind, make sure that you're looking to Christ as your rock and your salvation. That's Psalm 62 then, a psalm for people who are stressed, a psalm that encourages us to look to the Lord and wait on him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that it is food for our souls and that it helps us as we live for you. And Father, we thank you that that Psalm 62 speaks into situations of stress. We realize that David was stressed out and so we can be stressed out as we live in this world. But we pray that you would give us that quiet confidence that David enjoyed and that our souls would rest in you our rock and our salvation. Father, we pray that you'd also challenge those who aren't trusting in Jesus that they would realize that one day you will render to each one according to our works. We pray that we would take your word to heart, that we would apply it to our lives and that we would all live in light of it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.